Want natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. My name is Manuel Weff and I'm joined as always by Andrew Flint and Sabira. Andrew, how is it going over there? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Manny. Not too bad. Um, started training for a new job, pretty busy um, and Russian football coming thick and fast as usual. So, yeah, looking forward to um, chewing the fat with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be a good chat as always. But someone who hasn't had a great time as of late is uh, Tim in Vancouver. Tim, how's it going? How how is the Sparta camp these days? Uh, not very good. Not very good, my friend. Um, yeah, obviously two losses and two big derbies. The mood is not great. And um, yeah, it's not going well, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and we'll have to unfortunately talk about this just a little bit. Uh, I know <laughs> yeah, you don't really want to, but... <laughs> Um, it has to happen, even though this is actually our, we're going to call this the small club issue. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll explain why we're doing that in a moment. Um, and speaking about small clubs, I guess that's what we can call the Russian national team these days, because they have a club friendly coming up in September. And they actually managed to not find an opponent. So what are they doing, Andrew? Oh, my word, Manu. I just, you know, it's one of those lessons you learn about living in Russia is it's just Russia. This is what happens. Even by Russian standards, this is just unbelievable incompetence. Um, (laughs) And Tim won't mind me saying so because he knows what I'm referring to is the Russian Football Union. But, um, I mean, when when you're a host of a a major international tournament, you know when international breaks are coming. You know two years out. In fact, probably longer ago, in fact, because when they won the bid. Um, and they couldn't line up a single international opponent. Not just one. They, they, there was two gaps, you know, within the international break. They could have two friendlies uh, and they can't even get one. So we're, they're playing Dynamo Moscow on, what, the 3rd of September, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I find it just, um, I find it stunning how poor this preparation is. Um, now, the, 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 one of the reasons why I'm, that's one reason why I'm angry. The second reason I'm angry is because we look at the squad and it's a, obviously a very experimental squad. Almost none of the first choice players are in there. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, except not at this stage. We're, we're now less than a year before the, the tournament itself. This is a squad that with lots of fringe players, lots of young players. It's very, you know, it's fresh, it's young, it's interesting. But 12 months ago, this would have been useful. These players have got effectively one chance, one game against Dynamo Moscow in a game that means nothing to the club. 
In fact, even Kirill Panchenko, the one danger man for Dynamo who could actually test the team, is going to be in the squad for the Russian team anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, I've never known anything quite as ridiculous as this. Um, so, uh, and, and just to top it off, they haven't even picked um, Oralia Katzenberg's best young player. So, I'm even more annoyed. <laughs> yeah, Tim, what were you making of this? Well, this is crazy. Um, Russian Football Union uh, had um, problems booking opponents for the national team, and they've been saying that it's not that easy. They wanted to get high-profile um, teams to play against. Uh, they were busy. They were playing their qualifying games. Some other teams ask for money, but I don't think that's an excuse when you're hosting a World Cup and the year Less than a year before the World Cup, you're playing against a club game against Dynamo Moscow. This is outrageous. I think um, Cherchesov has to put a positive spin on it because um, he says, oh, yeah, we have to test a B squad. And like Andrew said, yeah, test the B squad, but maybe a couple of years ago or maybe a year ago, but not uh, less than 12 months before the World Cup. It's useless. I think he has to put, a, like I said, a positive spin uh, just because they weren't able to book anybody to play. So it wouldn't be stupid for him to invite all the top stars um, to, to train and to play against Dynamo Moscow. So he just had to test the B squad as he says uh, completely useless in my opinion I don't think many players from that group of players of 28 uh, he called up 20 he announced 28 players but he says that actually the people who will be called up it will be a little bit less so not everyone from that list of 2028 will be invited to train for a week but still given that um, I don't think many players uh, from that squad except maybe Mario Fernandez uh will make it to the end maybe Miranchuk and Tarasov but uh yeah really weird situation so is this basically a glorified uh training session then uh, pretty much yeah for people who won't make it to the world cup well, great <laughs> who's wasting whose time i don't know i mean we're looking through that squad list too um you know you mentioned Miranchuk and Mario Fernandez, of course, and uh, maybe Roman Neustädter pro might have a chance to. Uh, and then you have yeah. the goalkeepers, Lunev, Selichov, Sinitsin. Um, you know, that's that's, that's all long shots. It's uh, they have Lyakuti. maybe you know he's been scoring a lot of goals, but that's 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 contentious as well because he could be playing for Dynamo and actually challenge that defensive mm -hmm. line. Right? It's it's all a bit of um. Yeah, not a mess, but just strange. A mess. No, let's just say mess. It is a mess. Like when less than 12 months ago or before the World Cup, you cannot book a proper friendly. That just shows the level of mess in the Russian football union. Yeah. Yeah. Like, man, when Germany played, did you play against Cologne or um, Ingolstadt? It was a few years ago that uh, they played Bayern München. Uh, but that's, you know, I guess you can say that that is actually a challenging opponent. Uh, um, a little bit of a, of a different story altogether. I would say this was in 2012, right after Bayern lost the Champions League final to, to Chelsea. And, uh, there was a friend at the Allianz Arena as part of the preparation of the, of the World Cup at uh, the European Championship preparation, but I, I think there was also, you know, there were sponsorship reasons. There was, uh, some kind of economic reason behind it. I can't see that, um, with this. Uh, it's, you know, and Chechesov, of course, has a past with Dynamo Moscow. So it's, yeah. it's all, 
Yeah, a little there's, strange. There's no sponsorship deal there for, for like 100% because the the game will be played at your favorite beautiful Arena Himki. So it's oh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... That just takes the biscuit. That really tops it off for me. I mean, I, I mean, I, I love Moscow. It's a great city, but that is one part of the, the Moscow area that I utterly detest. I mean, it, it, you couldn't write it any worse than that. They choose the worst possible planning. They end up with a club side with an experimental squad at the wrong side, and they play it at Klimki. I mean, what more? What more could be worse? <laughs> Do you think people are actually going to show up for this to watch it? Well, just to, to, to let you know, the the tickets are free. There's no like it's it's free, so so maybe that. <laughs> I'm sorry, this I shouldn't laugh so much. It's a serious. Well, it's not that serious, but it is in football terms. I mean, seriously, guys, what is going on? I mean, just a slight. Slight tangent here. Ticket prices. Zanit charging 200 rubles for some of their tickets. Free tickets for this. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Guys, this is just a week that Russian Football Union has tipped me over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Although you could go to Moscow, Andrew, and watch this game for free. Yeah, that's a great opportunity, eh? Well, actually, yeah, you say that. I could probably get a, a cheap airline ticket. You can often get them for about, you know, 1,500 rubles. I could probably get there and back for about £40 and watch the Russian national team crossing two time zones about half the price to go to an English Premier League game. So maybe after all, it's not such a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always what you always dreamed of, right? Seeing Russia play Dynamo Moscow. I think that's... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We've been waiting eight years for this game, Manny. <laughs> it's better than the Champions League final. Well, well, <laughs> of course, of course. Now, what does actually, is this then a derby or how would you categorize a game like that? You know, like I looked at the, there's like the website Sports through and they qualify uh, Russian, uh, Russian national teams as like official game when they played um, a Confederations Cup. And then they uh, have friendlies when they play friendlies. And this one is called a hybrid game. So I never heard a game described as a hybrid game because it's between a club side and a national team. I, I used to work for Sports RU and I can just see uh, the guys uh, scratching their heads over this and trying to come up with a name on how to describe this match. Uh, <laughs> I am glad I'm not in that position. I guess it's a club international friendly. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is, this is just, this is just uh, one of the more bizarre ones. But, uh, this happens, I guess. And, uh, we'll, we'll discuss it when we get a little bit closer to it. But could you just imagine, could you just imagine being one of the players? Like you're Cockerouge from, from Cologne, right? And you're getting called up and your first ever national team game is against Dinamo Moscow. Uh, that must be a bit of a letdown. <laughs> Well, look, guys, I'll tell you what, I'm just, I'm going to try and balance it out. I mean, it is utterly ridiculous. It is laughable, but let's try and take some positives if we can. I'm scraping the barrel here, I know, but um, one thing I'm pleased to see is um, Dennis Cheryshev back in the squad um, because he's a player that I just feel his international career could have been so, so good. Um, but we've barely seen anything of him the last few years, I guess partly through injury, possibly. I, I've not followed his career yeah. as closely the last couple of years, but, you know, just, just a chance to see him on the pitch at all, if it gives him a bit of incentive and he ups his game, because he's got real talent. He's uh, He potentially could be one of those players who could change a game at some point, perhaps not as a starter, but maybe as a substitute. But at least we get to see him on the pitch. That's That's a positive, I think. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, there must be something positive that comes out of this. And if it's just, uh, the Russian football union being utterly ridiculed for it and basically being told that this shouldn't be done again. But yeah, I, I mean, look, I can just see this as being such a huge demotivating factor for the players, you know, because when you play, Again, if you play your first international game for the national team and it is against a club side, I just, I don't know. I would, I wouldn't, it wouldn't install confidence in me as a player. It wouldn't, yeah, you know, it wouldn't. You got a point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's it just, can you imagine that? I mean, we couldn't, we have 10 months to go to the World Cup in Russia and we couldn't find a national team to play against. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the, the demotivation factor. Uh, I mean, there's no point trying to be positive. It is all complete rubbish, this. Um, but demotivation is a major thing because, you know, you've got a, a lot of these players, are they are on the fringes on merit. You know, most of them, well, almost all of them won't make the final squad. But, you know, you've got to give people an incentive. And it's like we said, Tim, you know, you and I were agreed on this point that it's it's far too late, this squad. But the squad itself is not completely ridiculous. Just a bit too late, like we said. Yeah. Um, I mean, these players must be thinking, look, I, I was playing well towards the back end of last season, you know, the March um, international break or whenever it is, March, April, I can't remember. That's the break when they should have been playing because they're halfway through a season. They're in the flow of it. They're showing good form and it gives them time to actually prove themselves and get into the get into the squad as not just a fringe player, but in, you know, towards the end of his year, become more of a central part of the squad. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of players, you know, even like... Um, uh, Magomed Mitrishev from Ahmad, I, he's one of those players who's not necessarily fashionable, but he's always a very, very quick counter-attacking player. And given that Chechesov is going to play with three at the back, um, counter-attacking is going to be very important. You're going to need players who can transition quickly into attack. He's the sort of player who could do that. And yet, and like you say, he, he comes into this game, he's like, well, I, I, I played Dynamo a few weeks ago, so what's the, you know, what's the point of this? Um, Dale Kuzayev, I think he's. I I've tipped him last week um, as a potential outsider for the World Cup squad, um, and I think that even more so. Um, and again, it's against Dynamo Moscow. I mean, just it's. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just going to get angry. You guys are going to take over for a minute. I'm just going to get really angry in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's let's just direct this anger to somewhere else, right, Tim? And uh, yeah. maybe move on and uh, discuss. The big Moscow derby. Um, I know you don't wanna, but we have to. It was the game of the weekend and it looked so good for you guys. It really did. And then, uh, I mean, uh, it all went down south. There's a, a picture that retreated on the football ground network, a short video. I'm glad Russian press boxes haven't really changed. And, uh, since I last covered a, a Russian, Russian uh, league game there because <laughs> yeah. uh, the the CSKA is 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 that that's does does this still qualify as a press box when you have fans sitting in there and <laughs> I mean there was one guy uh, who jumped onto the press box um, onto the table and uh, fingered the Sparta crowd and uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on there but uh, yeah uh, press boxes in Russia can be always very entertaining so. Tim, talk us through this game. Well, um, 
the first half, um, I would say, of course, I'm biased, but it was fairly equal. It was a tough, tough game. Uh, sorry, I mean, it was it was an equal game. It was a proper derby game with um, not so many obvious chances. I wouldn't say it was a very beautiful match, but it was the tension was crazy. Like I was jumping up and down. And then what happened, uh, Zaluish, the, like, I guess I will have my bias uh, vision of the game. Uh, Zaluish uh, got injured. He's out for the next couple of uh, weeks uh, with um, uh, muscle injury. So instead of him, uh, Milgarejo came on. And to me, that was the biggest change from Spartak's point of view, what happened. The Zaluish injury was a big one. Again, uh, we also have to ask questions right now about Luis Adriano, who in the end of uh, Zenit game got red card and was suspended for next games. And he wasn't available. So Melgarejo would have to step in. And I have, you know, I have nice feelings towards Melgarejo. But so far, he hasn't been proven to be a player of Spartak. And he didn't really do much in this given game. So uh, in the beginning of second half, uh, Pashalic, who started the game and who was again well again was great in my opinion he had a good game he scored a lucky goal it was a pure luck because in my opinion I, the way i see it the ball was going even away from the goal but it hit Berezutsky and then it went to uh the goal and it was one nothing and after that Spartak started playing very cautiously very counter-attack and they were holding everything so far, so far was going so well until minute 83 and 84 when Ceska scored two beautiful goals. Again, one was, um, the first one was just a beautiful attack and Galadin just made, made an amazing pass and Georgi Shenikov, um, converted that. And the second one was a pretty good strike from Vitinho, but there was a little mistake from Selikov. And, um, it, it, it was literally two minutes. It was a pretty good game for Spartak. Um, I, I wouldn't say we were better than CSKA. We were playing good game. Uh, we had our problems with the Zaluisha injury, but it was going well. And then just in two minutes, it just, it was all went upside down. And, um, the final score was one, two for uh, CSKA. Yeah. You say that so nice and, uh, emotionless, Tim. <laughs> uh, I wasn't emotionless a minute 83, 84. You know, I have to con contain myself because I assume there are some CSKA players, or pl players, hopefully players, or fans are listening to this pod. So I have to be, you know, uh, politically correct, as we say. But, um, yeah, it was bad. I, I was, uh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but this, Leaves you in a bit of a pickle now. You're eight points off Senate. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, five points of third spot, which is the Champions League spot. That's not an enormous amount, especially when you consider that this Rostov and Lokomotiv, um, on second and third spot. So, you know, you, sh you should be, you should be okay catching those two, but eight points to Senate is a tall order, isn't it? It is. It is. And given how good they are, and what kind of players they uh, uh, recruited and what kind of football they play. Um, as of right now, Zenit is better than us, and it's given, and Zenit right now is the best team in the country. But it's also given that, you know, it's only six games, uh, there will be European football. And um, even before the season, I said to myself that, uh, you know, it's for me, what's good right now, it's fun to be a fan of Spartak again. 
it is very fun because we again we play nice football we, we have a beautiful stadium we have great players we are um, contenders for for the trophy and we play in European football uh, you know that's what I need I cannot ask Spartak to be champions every year it isn't possible but it, it is um, Fun to be a fan of Spartak right now because you see the passion. There is um, something that I was very, very excited about. I have big problem and a lot of disagreement with what the main Spartak, um, you know, the hooligan or whatever. I don't know how to call to qualify them, but like the organization which is called Fratria, uh, they're like the the people behind the goal. And I really have a lot of disagreements with what they do. I don't like what they do, but this time they did a nice thing. They released a statement they, that they fully support Massimo Carrera and they say they posted this um, article which says Massimo is one of us. And I think this is what we need right now. Like obviously losing two derbies is not the best thing that could happen. But uh, what we can, all the only thing we can do right now is just support the team and get uh, united behind the coach, behind the team and still support uh, the club. Um, and uh, um, given what Massimo did last year and how players were good, um, what they did uh, last year, we just the only thing we can ask from them is just like, you know, keep playing and we'll support you. I don't think it is the strategy. It's six games in 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 the season. The only question I have is the question to the management. I think Massimo Carrera has the same question: is uh, where are the new players? Because we need new players. So we need more number of players. Uh, just to, to for the rotation, and so far we're not doing that well because the Petkovic who played uh, one of the new signings who played uh, against CSKA wasn't that convincing. The only player who's been doing well so far is Pashalic, and uh, yeah, but I don't think that's enough. And I know that Masiwa wants more players. Yeah, uh, on on that note, I mean we we know that Luan is still um, a target. That that deal has not been completed yet, and. There's rumors in Germany that Borussia Dortmund are looking at him too because of the whole Dembele situation. I don't want to get into that too much, but you know, it's, it is, it seems difficult for them to recruit right now. But you know, you can say the same about CSKA, right, Andrew? And they have sort of seemed to have gotten their act together despite not having any new signings. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about CSKA is they have. They're a team that knows how to win. They're just a very small squad. That's their, their <laughs> obvious major, major problem. Um, I mean, one thing I was impressed by uh, in the derby was, um, well, one player in particular was Alexander Golovin. Um, and he's been a very mature player for some time now, but he, he looked exciting. And I'm thinking as a Russian fan, I'm not trying to, I, I'm sorry, so I won't, I won't eulogize too much about him, but as a <laughs> Russian fan, you've got to think, the way Golovin carried the ball forward, his confidence on the ball, his his body fainting, everything about it was just um, his performance was really, really top top class, and I was I was really delighted to see that. Now, the, the reason I mentioned him when you asked about recruitment was because the big players are starting to step up. Um, so Goyev is uh, well, he's fit for now um, as long as he stays fit. Um, he's on he's on good form. Vitinho is uh, got another goal as well. Um, so. It's that's the thing with Tisca. As long as they don't have any injuries to their first eleven, they can challenge anybody in the country. But they very rarely have all eleven players fit. So um, for now, yes, they're doing better. Uh, just over the course of the season, if they can make it into the Champions League, that is a major, major success for them. I think. Um, but look, Tim, I'll tell you what. I I'll be positive on this one. 
I still think, even with the knocks that you guys have had so far, I still think you guys are getting Champions League football. I'd be very, very surprised if you didn't. Um, and on the plus side as well, another plus side, you've got two of the, the hardest games you're going to have to play out of the way already. You've got Zanit and Tiska away. They're out of the way. They're done. They've got to come to you. Um, you beat Tiska um, at home, and then it's a one-point difference between now and the end of the season. Easy. No problem. <laughs> That's very optimistic, but you know, yeah. you, you have those two hard games and you lost them both. I, I, it's hard to take anything positive away from that. You know, did see this CSKA game was close. It was 2-1, but CSKA for me wasn't a side that was very convincing. You know, going into the season, I didn't think they would do anything at all. And then, you know, they, they go win this game. Um, hate the rain on your parade here. <laughs> it's just, I just, don't think there's much positive you can really take from this at all. And I mean, Tim, Spartak fans must be realizing that too. Yeah, like, you know, we have to keep the positive uh, outlook. But even when, you know, when I looked, uh, when before the season, I looked at the calendar, I obviously, I, I wasn't getting ready myself for a failure, but I looked at the season and we played Lokomotiv Super Cup, Dynamo, Krasnodar, Zenit, CSKA, Lokomotiv in the first seven games. Um, that didn't look, you know, very, very easy. Um, so it's not like I expected that, but I expected some challenges. I didn't expect us to be top of the league after that uh, kind of calendar. So we have a very tough start of the season. But going forward, I'm just looking right now at the calendar. We have fairly easier games uh, till pretty much till, till the end of the year when we play uh, Zenit at home in the end of November. But so, you know, the calendar didn't help. Um, obviously, the, the transfers were not completed. So... Uh, there are obvious reasons for that, um, you know, for that ninth place or whatever we are right now. Um, but yeah, man, like, you know, I, I have to be positive. I have to stay positive. I, I love this club. I support them. So I can't really be too negative um, about it. But I just have to look, you know, to support the club I love. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, of course. And uh, I guess you can ho kind of roll up the field from behind. Uh, wish for the best, but yeah. um, you know, once Champions League football comes to that, that's maybe the the one positive you can actually take from this is the the fact that you've gotten Sinit and CSKA out of the way. It didn't go your way, but you got them out of the way, mm -hmm. and now you're playing all the smaller sides and uh, you're doing that while you're also in the Champions League. So there is a, a little bit of a plus there. Exactly, like like we're playing Tosno, Anji, Ural, Ahmad, Amkar, Rastov, Ufa when we are in the Champions League. So, you know, that that's an opportunity for squad rotation. And that's why Masu is insisting I need more players. Yeah. I need players to rotate the squad for those games and for Champions League. But you're bringing up something really interesting here because I want to move this discussion on. Uh, you brought up Tosno. And uh, Tosno is a really interesting interesting club you know they're located in tosno and uh, i looked up tosno and it's 57 kilometers south of st petersburg but they don't play in tosno that community of 33,000 people and uh very small it's probably this the smallest town represented yeah. in the russian football premier league but they don't actually play there right uh, they play in st petersburg at the petrovsky stadium which is actually nice because the petrovsky stadium is in my opinion, a great facility. It's one of those old classic Soviet stadiums. And um, it's it's wonderful to watch football there from, I would say, 
April to early October. They mm -hmm. all the other months are way too cold, but <laughs> it's uh, but it's it's an interesting team, and I I kind of liken them to the Hoffenheim of Russian football. What do you have to say about that term? What do you think? Well, again, it's an exciting story. It's a fairly new club. I follow this club um, because I have some Spartak connection to it. The two coaches, like the main coach, Dmitry Parfenov, and the assistant coach, Vla, uh, Vladimir Bishasnik, uh, they were both captains of Spartak, and they are the legends from the 90s, uh, unbelievable team we had. So I, I've been following them since Dmitry Parfenov got the job and in FNL and then brought them to the Premier League, so and I have this connection, so I've been following them. Interesting, um, they both were on Match TV after their victory over Lokomotiv. That was a big surprise. They won away in uh, in Moscow two nothing against Lokomotiv, and Lokomotiv has been well so started season very well. So it was a bit of a not a shock, but a surprising result. Uh, they both were in the studio, and I really was impressed by their confidence and it comes from their playing career because they both achieved so much. Bishasnik played in uh, Spain and Germany. He is um, four times champions of Russia with Spartak. So they have so many successes behind their back. And this is really comes through their mentality and the way they talk about football. They talk about football from the position of strength. And this is a very small club and a new club to Russian Premier League. So it's very interesting to see this transition, how this small club now they talk about it and they even play from that, from that. They don't say, okay, we'll go and play beautiful attacking football, but they are going for the victory and you can see that. Um, and, um, it, it's, I think, I think the mentality inside the club comes from those two legend, uh, legends and, uh, experienced players. And they do a very good job translating this to young. Uh, they have a lot of youth and uh, young, um, talented players in the squad. So. I think it's an interesting club to follow. I hope it will be good, you know, an exciting season for them. It won't be easy, but um, I don't think if comparisons to Hoffenheim is accurate because Hoffenheim is a successful club, and uh, we're talking about the small Russian club. But who knows? Maybe they will be as successful as Hoffenheim. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's it's actually not a comparison that's that far off because, you know, it's a team that was founded in the outskirts or the 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 Rhein, uh, what's it called? Rhein-Neckar area in Germany is a metropol metropolitan area of 2.3 million people. And then they had to move the team away from Hoffenheim to, to Sinsheim to mm. play, to play there, right? Because, um, the, the stadium in Hoffenheim is just too small for professional football. And so they, they're still in the general area, but they're not actually playing in Hoffenheim proper. And it's another, another comparison I like to make is the, the fact that they, Tosno are owned by an independent private company. You don't get that very often in, in Russian football. You know, a yeah. lot of times these, these smaller clubs in particular are owned by some kind of state enterprise and which makes them very, very vulnerable for, for bankruptcy. You know, because we talked about how state budgets get changed in January and then all of a sudden teams yeah, go belly money. up because money gets, gets, uh, cut from the state budget. But this team is owned by, um, an organization called the Ford Group. And I did a little bit of research on them in there in, uh, real estate and their own supermarket chains, etc. So, you know, it's actually like a run, properly run team on a smaller budget, but actually properly run. And then they merged a whole bunch of smaller teams in the area to, to create this club. And it seems, you know, it seems like they don't, they don't have these 
lofty goals that a lot of these other teams in that region have you know they didn't come in and say like oh we're gonna buy everyone and we're gonna do this but it's everything just is kind of on solid footing with with Tosno it seems and it's actually kind of really a nice a nice story because it's not this these these overly ambitious kind of an overly ambitious kind of club that you often see when you know when small teams get created in Russian football. Um, Andrew, you saw them last year, I gather, in the FNL. What do you make of the story? Well, it's for me, it's the great example of what you know up and coming Russian clubs could be. I've long, long said, and you know, I think common sense will show that they will be a well-established Premier League club, whether it's this season or next season, they will stay up this season, I'm fairly confident. Um, and the, the simple reason is that they don't depend on the regional government budget to to dictate what they can afford. Um, I mean, it's personally hurt me because, you know, my local side, Chumen, uh, have just been hamstrung, basically, the last two years. They've not been able to sign anybody for money. Um, lost the best players and very likely to be in a relegation battle again this season, which has wasted all the efforts that have gone into it. Tosn, on the other hand, um, like you said, with this Fort Group independent company, um, I mean, I would say they they actually genuinely are an independent company as opposed to, technically speaking, Gazprom being a private company. Well, it's, it's state-run um, state by to a large degree, isn't it? So, I think Tosna have gone about it, like you say, the right way. It's really pleasing to see a an intelligent, thought-out approach to building it, building the club up. Um, you know, they, they like you say, not going for huge names to just to give a bit of boost of interest, and then a few years, few years later to collapse. Look at Ararat Moscow just started mm. up. The the contrast between the two is quite extreme. And I, I'm pretty confident that we will not be seeing Ararat Moscow in the Premier League anytime soon. Um, whereas Tosno have gone about it the right way. And yeah, I mean, watching them, uh, I didn't I didn't actually see them last season. I saw them the season before, but um, they just, they, they just, even the players, they looked like they knew what they were doing. They, they looked well drilled, um, not flashy, but professional. Um, and and they they're looking they're looking very very good this season as well so it's it's just good to see you know it's i'm hoping there'll be more clubs like tosna who will come through in the next 5 to 10 years and eventually um eventually you know russian football will realize look this is how to develop clubs properly mm-hmm. so good for them i say then what has the yeah, reception been for them playing in st petersburg i mean this is 57 kilometers um, you know, away from, from their home. And, uh, you know, St. Petersburg has always been pretty much a one club city. I know there's Dinamo St. Petersburg, but they're not Senate. Senate is St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg is Senate. How have Tosno been received in St. Petersburg? <laughs> I, I, it was it was generally a positive positive reception. Um, the year before, uh, Tosna played in a city called Veliki Novgorod. This is a city away from um, um, Tosna and from Saint Petersburg because um, the stadium in Tosna is not uh, you know you cannot play professional football there. So they had to find another arena and they had to play away from from Saint Petersburg and Veliki Novgorod. And they got this. Um, even yesterday on the show, when the both coaches were on, they said that um, we got we, we had such a warm reception uh, in a city which we didn't belong to. But now they are happy to be back in Saint Petersburg. And I talked to my friend 
who is from St. Petersburg and who, who lives here in Canada and he um, supports Zenit. He says the general feeling about Tosna is very, very exciting because obviously most of the city supports Zenit. But at the same time, there's quite a few local players. For example, Vladimir Bestrov, he returned to St. Petersburg, but not to play for Zenit, but to play for Tosna. There's quite a few local young players who people just in the city know, just, just personally know, because they've been local players and they've been playing local football for years. And uh, finally, those young, you know, your like you know friends or mutual friends are playing in the Premier League, so there's a lot of excitement about that because this is kind of um, you know like a local club, and it's great for the city of St. Petersburg to have for finally two clubs in the uh, Premier League because um, Moscow had from four to six and to seven even clubs if you take the whole Moscow region in the Premier League. Um, generally speaking, Zenit is the only big club in St. Petersburg, but the city is the comparable to Moscow in terms of size. So it's nice to see another club. And like, like we all agree that it seems like a well-run club and we all wish them success. So hopefully, you know, they will be another club a new exciting club, uh, which will let's say follow Krasnodar's, you know, steps. Will play in a good stadium, like we said, that there is a great historical connection to Petrovsky Stadium. Well, Ram Club. So, like the future looks bright, and um, th- that's the feeling around the city, um, around this club, the 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 positive um, vibe around this new exciting local club, which. Um, Obviously, the Zenit's younger brother or sister, like in terms of just the uh, division of support, but at the same time, um, the 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 feedback, the 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 feeling is positive. It's exciting. Yeah, and they they finally picked up the first three points on the weekend against Lokomotiv. Um, yeah. So that's that's really positive, right? Uh, so huge result for them, and yeah, it's definitely you know hope. Of course, the big step for them will have to be remaining in the league this year. Which is, which is a tall order. Um, but if they can, if they can navigate that, then they, you know, they they will be standing on really solid footing. Andrew, um, your side standing on a solid footing. Um, Ural, you, you go there all the time, but we don't really talk too often about it. One win, five draws. I guess that's good. You're undefeated. So how is the feeling in Yekaterinburg? Well, you know, you look on, this is a really interesting point. You look on paper, five draws and one win, it doesn't sound inspiring. But the, the, it's hard to describe the positivity that Alexander Tarkhanov has, has engendered. He's a, he's a legend at the club. He saved them from relegation two years ago with uh, Fyodor Smolov on loan. Um, and, you know, against Zenit, it was, I mean, this is the thing about the big clubs. If Spartak, Tiska, Zenit come to town, it's always an event. Um, there's no there's no point getting around it. And, you know, the stadium itself is a, is a temporary stadium while the World Cup venue is being built up, but it's completely open to the element and it doesn't really capture the noise. It doesn't have an atmosphere about it. But my word, the atmosphere for that's an eight game. Eric Bickfowlby scored before half time, And the truth is that Ural were the better side for large parts of the game. And it wasn't that Zanit were playing badly. It's just Ural raised their game a level. Um, and although, again, you look at the statistics, it looks like, the, you know, they're playing safe, playing for the draws, but they're not being playing for the draws. That's what's been so pleasing about it. Um, they've been going, they've been going for games. Um, you know, there are players in Oral's squad who are real game changers. Um, you know, but like Eric Bickfalvey is the biggest name of Romanian international, um, but, you know, Nikolai Dimitrov, uh, Bulgar- um, Bulgarian winger out wide, he's absolutely fantastic left foot. 
I honestly think he's got one of the best left feet in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, you've got young players like Vladimir Ilyin, who's just been called up to the Russian squad. Um, he's not flashy, but he's a hard worker. Uh, Maxim Grigoriev has been fantastic since he's come in. Um, and it's this is the thing about, you know, supporting a club lower down the league. Anything above relegation is a positive. And last season, of course, there was the Russian Cup final they got through, um, 15 minutes away, technically, from almost getting into Europe. Um, and the positivities continued into this season. So, Tiska at home on Saturday, I'll be going to that one. Um, and I'm honestly not saying it to be biased, but I genuinely am confident of them getting a result. That is how positive um, the club is at the moment. So, um, it's a great time to be an Ural, uh, Ural supporter, um, one of only two unbeaten clubs in the league at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah, keep an eye out for us, guys. Andrew, a, a question for you. Uh, like, we all know how Tarkhanov restarted the, the uh, career of Smolov and how Smolov became the, pretty much the best striker in Russia right now. Um, another young, well, not young, but um, a, a talented striker, uh, Igor Patnyagin, is now um, playing for Ural. Um, could you please tell a little bit about how he is doing, if we can expect kind of the same thing but happened to Smolov with the help of Tarkhanov? Well, yeah, it's a good point, actually, because um, last season, the big name we had was Pavlichenko, but his attitude was all wrong and it just didn't fit. Um, Portnyagin has, has not really featured a lot so far. Um, he's come off the bench a couple of times, but um, I think it, he's he's going to have to fight for his place in the team. Um, now, you know, two seasons ago, we had that uh, good season with Rubin where he scored about 10 or 11 goals. I think he was the highest scoring Russian that year, actually. Yeah. Um, and then last season was a bit of a letdown. He had a lot of injuries at Locomotive. Um, so I don't think he's going to have quite the same impact um, as, well, I mean, he's, he's not as talented as Smolov, but even relative to the talent, I don't think it's going to be quite that sort of impact. But um, the point is, he's, he knows he's going to have to work for his game time um, because Vladimir Ilyin and Maxim Grigoriev are, the, are the, the chosen front two at the moment. And um, it's... It's the sort of player that is going to be useful for Oral. A bit of experience. Um, he's got a bit of height on him. Uh, he's, he's not going to tear down defences, but he's going to know how to hold up the play and bring other players into it. So how do I see him doing this season? I, to be honest with you, I think I think it's probably unlikely he's going to have a huge impact. But if he can score five goals, if he can help rotate the team, he'll play a very important part. Um, and... Um, yeah, it's, it'll be it'll be good for good for him as well because last season was a disappointing one from uh, injury point of view for him. So um, I hope we can help him on that front. So if we can, then you know, well done, Tafanov. Yeah, Ural is a good breeding ground, right? I guess because it's one of those smaller clubs where you can develop as a player. You you're not in the the spotlight of you know playing for one of the big Moscow sides or Zenit. It's, um, I don't want to say it's a forgotten club. That'd be harsh, but you know, you are nicely located in the, in the Urals and it's a big city. So it's not a bad place to live. And, um, at the same time, you, you, you know, the expectations are never massive. Um, you know, lost the cup final, but, and if you don't reach European football, that's fine. If you, as long as you stay in the league. So it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a good place to develop as a player. And I think that's why, you yep. know, you know, players can go there and sort of resurrect their careers, uh, similar to what Smolov yep. has done. And, 
and the coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you you're absolutely right about the 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 breeding ground, Manu, because you know if you if you think at the moment you've got Alexander Yerokin, Alex Shatov. Um, Alex Shatov is a legend in Oral. He used to play um, he used to play futsal, mini football, um, for um, Sinara Yekaterinburg, who won the UEFA Cup effectively of futsal. Um, and that's where he got all his close control from. But he, he, he used to play for Oral, and then you know you've got you've got other players who come but from Fenel. Hmm? But Bero- but Beroskin used to play for Oral, now plays for uh, Krasnodar. But Beroskin, uh, Krasnodar is another another good example. Um, you know, we've got uh, Dmitry Korovov, who's came from the Fanel uh, eighteen months ago. Um, a lot of young players get their chance at Oral, and you're right, Manu. You know, you're out of the glare of expectation at one of the bigger clubs, um, and you you can effectively play a, an attractive style because Tarhanov is that kind of manager. You know, you couldn't argue in one sense if you had a very practical manager who thought, look, the survival of his club is paramount and I'm going to do everything I can to not lose and pick up the necessary points, but grind it out through hard work. You couldn't almost blame a manager for doing that. But Tahanov doesn't do that. He goes for the win. He plays attractive football. He plays with with wingers. Um, very few teams actually do play with wingers. He manages to fit that into um into the system. So, you know, young players will be, well, they ought to be looking at a club like Odell to say, look, okay, I'm not necessarily going to commit my entire career to this club, but it's a great place to get game time, get recognition. Um, and, you know, the after that, you've got players who are going through to Krasadar to Zanit. Um, and, you know, from there, it's only onwards and upwards. Yeah. But, you know, you're not the only side that can do that. It's... um. I, I'm personally really surprised by this, but there they are again. Rostov in second place, four wins, one draw, one defeat, eight to three goal difference. Huh? They're not, they're not overdoing it with those, but you know, given what happened in, in the summer, um, you know, the departures of many, many big players, the departure of the vice president slash coach, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're second in the league, three points behind Senate. They're looking very good for their money, right, Tim? Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, like be, uh, there was quite a few um, visions of what was happening in Rostov because, like you said, there was a massive departure. The vice president left. How, how, how are you going to live without your <laughs> big vice president? Uh, but at the same time, they did a pretty good campaign in terms of acquiring players and hiring players. And they got the coach who has experience of, of working in um, the Russian Premier League, Leonid Kuchuk, who, who was pretty successful. He is, in terms of playing style and the football he plays, he's similar to Kurban Birdiv, so he didn't have to change much. He pretty much picked up um, where he left off in, in terms of just the playing style. So there wasn't a big transition in, in that sense. But at the same time, they did quite a good... Um, they acquired some good players, so they, they, there's quite a few players from Spartak, uh, Pisikov, um, uh, Makeyev, Parshevlyuk. They still have Gatskan. They still have Timofeyev, who is a club legend. It, they have Bukharov, they have Dijun. You look at the, at the squad, it's, um, of course, they lost quite a few players, but at the same time, they still have a pretty good core of the players. They have a good coach, and they don't play this flashy football. They keep playing, they keep doing what they're doing. So... If you look at it um, objectively and um, 
obviously there's no way they're gonna go to the same successes as they went to their previous vice president uh, Kurban Birdeev and uh, played in Champions League in Europe. This is I don't think this is uh, visible. But at the same time, you say uh, they... that. <laughs> we had I... a, we believed that before, didn't we? And then they almost won the title. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, like in my opinion, it's it's it, they will be a very good mid side somewhere in the middle and um, trying to get into Europa League. Uh, but I don't see them in any capacity fighting for relegation. The squad and the ex, uh, the, the coach's experience is too too good for that. Unless, as we all know, they have consistent financial problems there and if they run out of money and they would have to sell players and they can pay salaries then we're talking about a completely different story but if we take pure football the squad and the coach right now uh, this is a very good side hopefully they'll have enough money yeah that's that's always the the worrying aspect with Rostov we don't know what the financial situation is like there's always a lot of issues with that and even you know in the year where they almost won the championship, the the players once went on strike and refused to play a cup game. So you know there's always something going on with with Rostov, and we that is really the the one thing that you know is is this going to last? Because is the financial situation going to last? But you know it looks very good right now, and I mean some of the signings that they have brought in look very interesting too. For, for some odd reason, they have managed once again to do fine players all over the world that sort of looking for a second chance and they are very much a second chance club on there andrew and i want to point this out real quick before you know um, you can talk about the second chance club but they actually got a player from chelsea as well like everyone in the world does how many loan players has chelsea now 36 uh, well i think it's i think it's in 60s it's like crazy number yeah it's it's enormous but that's uh roman abramovich you know he likes to uh spread his flock as far as wide as possible so I guess he got his, he called up his number in Rostov said to uh, Yosima Quintero, yeah, you're going to Rostov. Uh, you probably never heard of the place before, but that's where you're going to play next year. But uh, Andrew, that's, that's, it, they are the second chance club in a similar to a little bit like Raw, right? That's where you go if you want to resurrect your career. Well, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got the, the like Artem Zuba had a great, Great season there when they did well in the cup. Did he win the cup? In fact, when he was on loan there, he scored. I think it was it seventeen goals he got. Um, Jurochin had a great season there. Um, you know, it's um, Rostov are a funny club, really, because they, you know, in the in the conscience of most most fans, you know, five years ago and before that, not a not really, you know, done a great deal, and then suddenly they seem to have started bringing in some players. So. But they've had a massive influence. And I'd be honest, I was one of those who really worried about their chances for this season with the all of those departures that you alluded to earlier. But I've been I've just been so, so impressed with how Leonid Kuchuk has managed to knit this squad together. I think, you know, we we could we could go through the entire squad and be here for quite a while and pick out why they've been so good. But I'd like to, I would like to pick out one particular thing he's done. And that for me is the reinvention of Timofey Kalachov who played right wing back last season very effectively as well. I mean, he's, he's 36 years old, so it's not a, he's not one of the pacey wing backs, but an intelligent user of the ball, very good set pieces, very good crossing into the box. And this season, he's effectively been playing as, as an, uh, an attacking, as a number 10 almost, you know, an attacking midfielder. Um, now, you know, his age dictates that he won't start every game, but 
you know, he, he came off the bench at the weekend and within two minutes he'd scored two goals and then 15 minutes later set up a third. Um, and the fact that he recognised the qualities of the player and disregarded what position he played last season just for, look, this is what you're capable of doing. This is what I want you to do. Instead of going out and trying to, you know, use up all the budgets on a, you know, perhaps slightly overrated attacking midfielder, he simply used the, some of what he's already got um, to good effect. Um, and, you know, I'd also point out that there are other players in that squad who are very, very talented who haven't even had a look in yet this season. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the likes of Saeed Ezzatolaki, who was very good at Angie last season, um, Iranian international. Moussa Dumbia has played a bit, but not much from the start. And he had a great season at Arsenal Tula. So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible how much of a turnaround in mood there is around Rostov from six games ago to now. Now, you'd say, well, they're capable, capable certainly, of challenging for a Europa League place at this stage. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's brilliant to say I'm really pleased to see that for them. Yeah, well, and then speaking of teams that really surprised us, Anchi. Uh, <laughs> everyone starts laughing. Um, yeah, because you know, Anchi Mahachkala, our favorite club from Dakistan, they added again. Uh, they they had a horrible start to the season, three points out of six matches. Um, coaching change, Vadim Skripchenko has come in. You know quite well, right, Andrew? And, uh, but, oh yes, I know that. Um, I know that untrustworthy turncoat. Um, don't have much time. For, um, for, for any listeners, for any listeners who are not aware, by the way, this is a man who lied about a critical health condition to return to his home country, um, and uh, he left Oral. He was allowed to leave um, to go back to Belarus. Two days later, he signed a contract at Krylia Sovietov. Um, so he completely lied using, I mean, I, I personally actually do genuinely think that's a bit sick to use health as a reason for that. Um, and he's got a dreadful hairstyle as well. So anyway, I have no time for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can sense a bit of bitterness, but um, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> they, oh man, I lo I'm looking at their transfer mark list right now. And I know Anshi is always reinventing itself. <laughs> I, it's a very positive way to say it, and I, I'm that, that is very positive. That is the most positive way of looking at it. <laughs> I'm counting counting 14 new signings. Some of whom have already left the club again. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, coming and going. Uh, Vartin Skripchenko. Yes, I remember that episode. There is not a lot of luck when it comes to Belarusian coaches at uh, Ural. Some of it is Ural's doing. Some of it is uh, the Belarusian coaches doing. Uh, that just seems to be part of it. We'll get into that maybe another time. But Tim, uh, on paper, that's not a not a bad squad that they have. But is it just that Anshi? They almost strive off, you know, the turmoil that is always part of the, the club there. The turmoil is Anshi and that's just how it is. And that's, I mean, when you, when you look at where they come from, the region that they're located in, it, it almost fits the style. But what do we expect from them this year? Oh, it's, it's impossible to say, my friend, because like when they had all the, you know, like um, Ateos and Roberto Carlos is back then. It was, uh, and then in one day it became a completely different club. Six months later, it became another club. It's 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 the nature of Algeria. They completely, um, they call it a change of a course, and they completely change 
make massive changes to the club and um, it's 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 i have no idea how it's hard to be a fan of andre and uh, follow all that madness that's happening in that club um what happened in uh, the last um, match day they lost to dynamo moscow and their former coach uh, grigorian um, in the post-match interview, pretty much uh, fired himself or like, said that he's leaving the job. Um, that was a, a exciting moment. And uh, he was the guy who was very, very outspoken and did quite a few crazy into crazy. And that would be the, the right word to describe it. Crazy interviews in the past. He was a very interesting person to follow. Now he is fired. And he actually, speaking of Arat Moscow, he will be their new coach. Um, but um, it's like you said, on paper, it's a pretty good squad but because of so many changes and so many changes of the course change of the coast I, I have no idea how people can play there because you have one like it's it's hard for the players because they play with one coach there's they, they ask them to do certain things and then there's another coach six months there's another coach it's impossible to be a player and uh, being consistent in those circumstances you know obviously like we can wish them well and all that but it's it's it, I don't think it will be an easy season for entry I think what we can expect from them is another like relegation uh, fight and um, yeah i don't think it's going to be easy for them. yeah i mean that's very much what dakistan is like it's a region in turmoil and i guess the club 100 percent reflects that um yeah. andrew very briefly we are almost out of time but i just want to touch on csk's uh, champions league mm-hmm. victory against young boy Bern. Boy, were they lucky. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very oh, fortunate. That, but they that, got the that result that they wanted. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that is a, that's a absolutely fantastic result for them. And I'd definitely put them as, um, I would have put them as favourites anyway if a nil-nil. But that, the own goal in injury time is one of the most ridiculous, comical own goals I've ever seen, I think. <laughs> where the guy sort of, where the, he sort of heads it in the air and meets it again with another header. And it, it, it was so accurately placed past his keeper, over the keeper, but just inside the post. Um, I mean, my first instinct, and this tells you that I'm a follower of Russian football, was how much did they pay them? Um, but I'm not I'm not actually saying I genuinely think that, but it's always your gut instinct when you see a goal as horrific as that. But yeah, they're in a good position. Um, so um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic news for them. Uh, seal out the home leg, get into the group stages, and then they get their season's worth of Champions League money. Which I think is incredible. Igor Akinfeev has two clean sheets in a row. Yeah, yeah. Going, was it 50? <laughs> no, was it 49 games, 50 games, 11 years without a Champions League clean sheet? And then suddenly he gets two in a row. Fantastic. Oh, that's that's like the, the, the ketchup bottle right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or the reverse ketchup bottle. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much it, boys. We're, we're out of time. Um, Tim, where can people find you? What have you been up to? I, I guess uh, the punk season is pretty much over. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing some new things, of course, as I always do for uh, the, the the punk rock uh, things. Uh, yeah, people can find me at uh, RussianTim61 on Twitter and RocketFromRussia.tumblr.com. This is where the blog they can listen to my punk rock radio show. Yeah, no, I, I encourage you, if you're a punk rock fan, give that a listen. Uh, it's good stuff. Andrew? How about you? What's going on? You're doing previews quite a bit. The the Europa League previews are already out. And um, yeah, so what else have you been up to? 
Yeah, well, um, I'll be, well, like you say, doing more previews for the Europa League. Looking forward particularly to the actual group stages. I mean, the, I, I like to get the qualifiers out of the way. And that's what I'll be looking forward to a lot. So I'll be doing that on Twitter at Andrew M-I-J Flint. And um, yeah, I'll be uh, editing and writing for um, Brazilian edition of these Football Times magazine soon. So that'll be an interesting one to come out. So keep your eyes open for that. Oh yeah, I can only say that those magazines look wonderful, and that's definitely something. Encourage everyone to go get one. Um, very good coverage of anything football. Just seen the the Netherlands one. That that coverage is gorgeous. The tiles, well, wow, very well done. All the orig- original artwork. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. Those guys who do it. Yeah, fantastic, really. Um, so yeah, go check that out. And then of course, all our stuff. We do some fantastic work too. I have to say. We got a very nice guest on the latest Golazo podcast, uh, Cesar Hernandez, who covers Tijuana um, and Mexican football in general for 442. It was very kind to speak to us yesterday on the pod. So that podcast is already out. Um, Gegenpressing the big Bundesliga preview. Yes, it's back Friday night. Bundesliga, Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern. The league comes back with a bang. Um, I made a crazy prediction on the Gegenpressing podcast. So um, mm-hmm. go check that out. <laughs> and uh, of course, all the Europa League Champions League previews, um, they're already out and we'll cover the second legs as well. So that will be all on Football Grad Live and then on the various homepages, footballgrad.com, fußballstadt.com and footballsidage.com. Well, that's it for me. Until next time, das wird Daniel. Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style, and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1,000-watt motor for quick drying and easy glide Flexalite bristles for snag-free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the cool shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush now. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.